In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley, and my podcast gremlin is the one and only... Travis Rats here. <laughs> is that what a gremlin sounds like, Travis Rats? I was tough. I didn't know where to go with... But then you just don't get my name at that point. I don't. I don't understand what it is. But that sounds more like a, like a, a mogwai than mogwai. a gremlin. Yeah, I don't know what yeah. a gremlin sounds like. A... That's like good. Like a... I like that. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Comic Special Podcast. Uh, for um, voiceovers. I could do voiceovers. <laughs> a long career in voiceovers. You want to hear my future. impression of a, uh, of a gremlin getting wet? No. Okay. I don't. I guess on the Comic Exposure Podcast, we talk comic books. Uh, Every other week or so, we do a comic book club. uh, And on this comic book club, uh, we gather a guest and we read a graphic novel or a trade. And we kind of talk about, uh, you know, what do we think about it and kind of go into a nice little book, a book club discussion on on that comic book. And so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you have hit one of those uh, weeks this episode here. We are talking about The Dark and Bloody from Vertigo Comics. Oh, uh, you see. know how it is. Dark and bloody, dark and bloody, bloody dark, dark and bloody, bloody, dark and bloody, dark and bloody. Uh, dark and bloody, written by uh, Sean Aldridge and uh, illustrated by uh, Scott Godleski. Uh, both of those folks have been on the show before. Both of those guys have been on the show before. They've Very exposed cool themselves to, to us, and we have exposed they, ourselves to them. They have. And then Patricia Mulvihill is uh, on colors on this bad boy. Uh, Clem Robbins on letters. Tyler Crook does some gorgeous covers on these bad boys. Yeah. But this is the book we're talking about today. And we have a three-peat guest on tonight. Three-peat guest. Well, right, Freddie? Is this, isn't is your third? Yeah. Am I the one? Three-peat? Am I like a, the Tom Hanks? You are the Tom <laughs> Hanks of the podcast. That's like an, uh, an eight-peat, I think. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I'm getting eventually, there. Eventually, he'll be there. So, this is, uh, so Freddie, say hi to everybody. What's up, Trosh? That's Travis and Josh. No, okay. it's like we're Brangel. Like we I Brangel- like it. No, I, I, I like, like it. it. We're done. I like we're it. One, we're one person. Uh, so uh, Freddie in the show notes. <laughs> Freddie is joining us on the podcast tonight. Uh, he was back with us uh, when we did our live saga podcast at Phoenix Comic Con. Oh yeah. And before that, he was on for my friend Dahmer, which was like a seriously kind of creepy cool indie comic that we did a while back so if you want to go look at that one i would check it out for sure uh super cool book uh but we brought freddie on tonight because freddie is mr horror and then the dark and bloody i you know it's not like about puppy dogs and kittens it's it's about it's a horror book the name is not fooling you Mm -hmm. uh so freddie's on today to talk about it and so travis we always ask guests what was their first exposure to comics but Freddie's already answered that question, and so we got to come up with a new one. So I want you to shoot a question at Freddie. What, what do you want to ask him? Just off the top of my head? Just, yeah, just, just off here? the top. All right. Yeah, I'm, just I'm, coming. Here, this is how professional does it. Okay, let's see. We've talked about comics. We're going to do that. We was on the live show. We did this. I can ask him, like, what his favorite food is. Or I got one. I got one. Freddie, <laughs> uh, Yo. Mr. Horror himself, um, we know your first exposure to comic books. 
Uh, go check out the Jeffrey Dahmer podcast if you want to hear Freddie's response to that. I want to know, what was your first exposure to the horror genre? It's a classic. It's like everybody else, Halloween. The John The Carpenter holiday version. or the movie? <laughs> the movie <laughs> Halloween. The movie Halloween. Okay. The, the, so the, the it, original one, right? The first one? The original. No Rob Zombie here. Even though I love Rob Zombie, no Rob Zombie. So how old were you, Freddie, when you first saw Halloween? You know, I must have been between 10 and 12. I don't remember the, the exact age. The perfect horror age. Right. I think that's when all young boys see their first real horror film is between the ages of like 10 and 13 would be right. my best yeah. guess. Travis, what was is your Is that favorite? also your first time you saw a titty? Because wasn't there a titty in that movie? <laughs> there was a booby, yes. Hey, okay, so titty, so. check. Okay, we got that out of the way early. Um, you know what? I don't know what my first exposure... I, I might have been exposed. This is the What's first the one, one I remember? remember. Pet Cemetery yeah. 2. Pet Cemetery oh, 2. Pet Cemetery 2? Yeah. Wow. The one with uh, uh, Edward Furlong. You see in that yep. one? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I just remember there's one scene in there where, like, the the zombie guy has, like, a motorcycle and, like, someone's shirt or tie gets stuck in it and his head just slowly gets sucked in there. And I was like, too much. It's too much. For me. This is too much for me. <laughs> so, you, like, so, Freddie, you're a, a big sort of a horror movie buff. So if Halloween was your first exposure to it, what did you think about it when you saw it that first time? What, what, did, what, was your, what were your thoughts on seeing that type of film? I remember him not being so much creepy. I just wanted him to like kill the people already. Like the buildup would just drive me insane. You Wait, know, are you telling <laughs> too me much, you, too much rooting, suspense? you were rooting for the bad guy? Yeah, because <laughs> I just wanted it to be done with. It was torturous. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, I can see that. So if you had to name your favorite horror movie, Fred. Oh man, this this is tough. It always it always alternates between the thing, Kurt Russell's the thing, and American Werewolf in London, mm, that's a and good one. Evil. And Evil Dead 2. Those are all all quality choices. Uh, the Thing has got to be one of my is one of my favorite movies. But like I don't for me it's not like a horror movie like you know Halloween is or right, like right. Jason Exorcist. is. But yeah. but yeah, but but uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of the Thing. I like that one. Uh, I think that my first my first horror movie, if I can, if I remember, I don't remember what my first one is. I remember like we were at someone's birthday, and I don't remember how old they were, but it was between the ages of ten and thirteen. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't at my house because there's no way my mom would have let me watch that, right? Yeah. But you always have the one friend yeah. who's oh, okay, yeah. yep. like whose parents are like, oh, whatever. We were that friend. <laughs> <I was playing. laughs> and so we watched like we just marathoned Friday the Thirteenth movies. Yeah. <clears throat> so I couldn't I couldn't remember what they I don't remember anything about them except we did that. The first horror movie that I remember being scared by uh was The Candyman. That's I was about to say that. <laughs> Mine too. That was the first did you ever see that one, Travis? No, I never saw it. Where you you oh, look man. in the mirror and you say, Candyman. It's like Beetlejuice, yeah. but, <laughs> but Candyman and he's like fill and bees come out of his mouth. I've yeah. seen I've I seen pictures of that like online. Yeah. I I couldn't go. I couldn't use the restroom. Meaning, I couldn't I use had the bathroom. Go, I for... went outside. Seriously, no joke. You guys, <laughs> like, it was frightening. It was what, frightening. What do you think? Uh, so, Freddie, um, for for movies that are coming out today, uh, I always think think that like the horror genre goes through like phases. Remember when like Scream came out and every other movie was like a slasher oh, yeah. movie, uh, and yep. then they had the found footage films like After Blair Witch. Um, what do you What are you seeing now as uh, as someone with the their finger on the on the slowly beating pulse of horror. Now, um, what what is what do you see out there right now as like a really popular type of horror 
or what's happening it's, with the genre? Uh, it's fortunate and unfortunate, and you see this throughout all the movies. It's the nostalgia stuff. So, like, Stranger Things, mm-hmm. uh, The Guest, you know, things like that are coming out with, like, they want to pay homage to the 80s. Late Final 70s, Girls. Early 80s. Final Girls, yeah, that's a great one, actually. Um, and I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, you know. Uh, sometimes I feel like we're not creating new content. You're too much stuck in the past with that. There is... There... Is there, you know, you you watch more horror movies than I do, as in you, if you watch one, you've watched more than I have in this year. Um, <laughs> but is there a, are we moving away from the monster? I mean, that's going to be, it's going to be a big part of our discussion today, the monster in Dark and Bloody. Do Are, are we moving away from the, the, the monster, the freak of the week type of uh, horror? Or is that something that you see? coming back i can't think of i know stranger things has that but what right. what, what where else are you seeing that uh in the Baba Duke. i don't know if you saw that oh one. no i really want to see it, but it just looks too scary for yeah me. it looks too it's, scary it's it's great it's great um yeah i i think it's slowly coming back even in mainstream with godzilla you know i think uh with gareth edwards godzilla we're slowly wanting that again mm-hmm. for some reason i think because we're all tired of the slasher flicks and the ghostly looking girls and mm-hmm. and whatnot and the paranormal or activities ever, yeah those it's, it's yeah. all it's all the ring every every movie is the ring yeah i can't stand his little kids who are creepy they're just i'm just so i'm so done with it i'm so done with uh <laughs> hi mommy uh, I've you, know been what, bad. you know what you should you know what you shouldn't do you shouldn't have children don't yeah. have children no though. they're because, always up like in the middle of the night looking at one you. one will one will wake you up at four in the morning and they'll be an inch from your face and they'll go dad and then you'll freak the crap out that's what will happen <laughs> yeah I don't no no we're good we're good <laughs> so let's 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 bust into the book we're talking about today like I said I uh, we're talking the dark and bloody uh we've had both scott uh godleski the artist on the show before he came on uh when we talked to him about his last uh comic before this one uh copperhead on image comics and then we also had sean on i interviewed sean when uh sean aldridge the writer when this had was just about to wrap up so right before it released its sixth uh, uh sixth issue um he came on and then I think the, the the you know whatever it came out this book came out at like the beginning of October I want to say in trade, um, yeah in trade it came out right at the beginning of October so if you haven't picked it up yet man it's it's still pretty fresh out there for us as we do this podcast now just it's only been out for about a month in trade uh so um, I'm you know if you haven't grabbed it yet and you just want to pause the show go read it come back and listen. We're gonna do a little bit of spoilers, but if you don't mind, just an honest discussion about a comic book, like talking and, and talking it out. You want the comic book club, and you haven't read it? You can go. You can listen to that by and pick it up later. But uh, but uh, two cool folks who've been on the show before, and we really appreciate them coming on. Uh, and then so we thought, you know what? Uh, let's read what these dudes have done. Let's let's put it together. I I, I read it in single issues. Me too. Uh, and then I like I handed them to you in mm, single issues. I bought them Didn't digitally. I, like, didn't I, I buy? Didn't I let you borrow one or two? No. No, I, I got them digitally. Okay, that's you were getting them as a yeah. yeah. Okay, that's right. That's right. That was my first uh, series from uh, front to back that I read in singles online. So can I can I ask the first question? Yeah. Um, this goes to both of you. What did you like better, the dark or the bloody? <laughs> do you know where the name I'll comes? My, from? I'll take my response off air. Do you, do, do you know where the do you know where the the name comes from? Where does it come from? No, I don't. Uh, I, it's like it's a nickname for Kentucky. 
So the dark and bloody ground oh, of Kentucky. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> and so, like, I don't know if I can't remember if it's like Civil War where it comes from or whatever, but it's like the dark and bloody ground of Kentucky. And so since this takes place in Kentucky, mm-hmm. uh, where Sean where Sean is from. Uh, I it's Kentucky. Kentucky. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Kentucky. Like By the way, a fun thing to do is if you're going to buy this like at a Barnes and Noble or, or whatnot, Go to your local like Barnes and and say, "Hey, um, do you have the dark and bloody?" <laughs> they get the, the weirdest look. <laughs> give you. That's what happened to me. And, and they're like, and, "No, and, and, um, and tampons." <laughs> <laughs> it was an impulse buy. They put them by the register at Barnes and Noble, <laughs> right, right next to each other. Uh, so next to the let's, Sylvia let's Platt. Get into, <clears throat> let's let's get into the story really quick. Travis Rats. Yes. You want to do you want to do the uh, the summary for no. us, buddy? You want No. 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 <laughs> okay. So, you wouldn't let I me can, do my I gremlin impression, so I refuse to do a summary. <laughs> so, if I can if I can do a a uh, a quick summary of the book, uh, a young boy goes like grows up in Kentucky, then goes off uh, to is he in Iraq or Afghanistan? Iraq, right? Mhm. Iraq, yeah. Yeah, he's he's in Iraq. Goes to Iraq. Song as old as time, tale as old as rhyme. Continue. And he, uh, while he's in Iraq, he's part of a uh, massacre where he does not want to take part in it, but he is sort of forced to uh, shoot some innocent civilians, and uh, in the process, awakens some ancient evil that follows him back to the holler yeah. in Kentucky. I love that word holler. <laughs> I love yeah, that one, yeah, Holler. Dude. Fantastic. Something, there's something <laughs> very like, like what what are those um, night bugs, fireflies? There's something June, very June bugs, fireflies June bugs about it. Yeah, I like <laughs> it. So so he heads back. He's living in the Holler. He's running moonshine, mm-hmm. right? And uh, that evil comes back to get him, but it goes through his son, and it is in the body of the little girl that he shoots. And yeah. so this monster comes, he has to find a way to save his son, get rid of the monster, and live with the guilt of what happened in Iraq. All in six issues, by the way. This isn't this isn't, All... a, this isn't twelve. This isn't like a, this is less uh episodes than uh, a Netflix original series. And they're able it to is. tell a whole story within six issues. They are. They are. Now, not without like there's some there's some pretty, you know, there's some backstory that you don't get that I think if it were fleshed out to 12, you would get, you know, if it were like a year run on it. But I think it's uh, I always appreciate a good miniseries. Here's how I think they were able to do it with with giving the characters depth and having multiple uh, themes and ideas run through the story. They didn't have a lot of characters. There weren't no. a lot of ancillary, ancillary characters. You know, the the Kentucky part is a big part of this story, uh, and so there. I think a lot of people would, when writing a story about like a small town in Kentucky and this backwoods moonshiner, uh, would um, re- they'd really want to show the town. You know, they'd spend a lot of episodes showing the town. And there's there's a, a propensity for writers when they write about uh, small towns to want to show all the weird characters in the town. The, they the lady who owns, you? yeah, they want to twin twin picks you. Yeah, exactly. So I think <laughs> I think they were able to pack more into six issues because they really had. Mm, it's essentially what happens characters. to his family. Yeah, exactly. 
and then a couple a couple people who get to die mm-hmm. and the sheriff mm-hmm. and that's and that's it you know what i mean it, it felt a lot like in in it felt like a lot to me like just a, a really compact horror film you mm-hmm. know what i mean like just yeah. a really uh, a tight budget horror movie mm-hmm. what yeah. what did you what do you think of this story freddie I, I, I felt like it was like a like a episode from uh, tales from the crypt you know, because they're just so... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way of saying it. God damn it, um, Frank. Don't come in here and try to show us up. <laughs> I think you're right, though. Uh, so let's let's talk... Uh, let's get into... I mean, there's really only one character. Uh, it's... Uh, I always... I'm like... That's Iris. Not a, Iris. That's not a boy's name. Uh, Iris is the main character. I keep thinking about the chick from Flash. Yeah. yeah I always I, thought I, about Iris. Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't entire- want to be dark and bloody because I don't think that I understand. Oh man, this is great! How many we've sung two? This is a musical. Episode. Two songs on this episode. My All we need baby is baby takes the morning train. She's dark and bloody up again. <clears throat> All right, that's, question. That's uh, we're on a roll. We're on a roll. Uh, so let's 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 go into the story itself. Um, Let's hit like what's a what was a high point of the story for you, and then we'll do what's kind of a what might have been like a low point for the story with you. It was that a, is that a cool segue? Do you mind that one, yeah. Travis? We think mm-hmm. all right. So, Freddie, what was a high point in this story, the dark and bloody for you? What's what's a part that got you? Actually, the first page, the first line, it that's what a way to start it. What did it say? Like, I knew how to kill before I knew how to kiss. I'm like, I'm in. And what he's holding, you know, he's dragging yeah. something. A sack, yeah. a sack yeah. of puppies. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it is. And that that right there, it starts you and it starts you off like it's like it, the first line is uh the first line is uh Black Lick Hollow, Kentucky, nineteen ninety two. And like it's very you know, we get this and I would say that that carries it through, Freddie. That guy tone, it, you know, part. Iris is yeah, Iris is uh mono like you know, his his um inner monologue the narration that goes through it is him and he's all uh, he's giving you like these little pieces of like right. these yeah. little these little touches of kentucky or these little touches of like Kentuches? things that is yeah like touches of what of like what his dad said to him uh so travis what was a high point for you What's, um what, what i, you I really did like the beginning too that was a good one um i we're gonna talk about it later but i i i think I, you know, I'm always a story guy, but in this, it was um, it was the art and the colors. Um, I think I think they were able to do a lot with uh, uh, Scott was able to do a lot with the art uh, and the who's the colorist on this? It sounded like a first uh, grade teacher name. <laughs> Mulvihill. 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 Miss Mulvihill's art. Miss Mulvihill's art on this. Uh, I mean, uh, colors on this. I mean, I think they were able to establish. Uh, I mean, I, th- I do think Kentucky and, and the setting is a huge part of this. Uh, the the difference between the Iraq setting and this setting, and I think the art was able to do so much without showing you a lot of the world. The the colors and the, the way he was drawing these people, even to what they were wearing, really helped set the uh, the tone. The colors definitely helped set the tone. Those sunset colors, that dust like, colors it, when it was yeah. coming in, oh, really good. I know we're gonna talk more about art later, but that was definitely a high point in this in this six issues for me was just soaking up this art uh, and how well it connected to the storytelling itself. How how well it served the story as opposed to just this is how I'm gonna draw this book. 
Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that grabbed me was just not getting a real glimpse of the monster right away. Mm. There's something kind of really cool about that, like, where um, it's teased and you get, like, bits and pieces of it, but you don't see the full reveal of it. And I I really enjoy that because I read this in single issues as it came out. You know Mm. what I mean? I was reading it month to month as it came out. And so it literally, you don't see the full thing until what, book, uh, is it book three? Book four. You don't see the full monster until book four, something like that? Uh, was it earlier than that? Was it, might be book three or four. I know I have it digital, so it's harder to pull that up. Uh, you're right. I think that tension, uh, and Freddie, you could probably talk more about this than I can, that, that tension of a horror film. I mean, when you, there are a lot of people out there, I've read a lot of people's horror scripts, right? You, if you're, if. If you hang around nerdy people enough, someone's going to be like, here's my here's my idea for a horror movie. And they'll always have a cool monster or a cool premise, but it's just that the tension and the pacing, it's it's just so hard to get right. Like you you can't just have a cool monster and and let the story go. So, Freddie, what did you think about as Josh was saying the tension that builds? Uh did it remind you of anything uh or um um how well do you think this was accomplished? Did did it work for you? Uh, I it, it just reminded me of Jaws, you know, classic mm-hmm. tale of that because it's like you want to see it so bad, like mm-hmm. just already show me. But as I've grown up and more matured, it's like I know like the payoff is going to be great, especially because have he doesn't disappoint when he's writing, so you know that it's it's working up to something pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. So whatever the monster is, I'm like. I'm already bought into it. So how is he keeping it? How are they keeping us in the story? I mean, we don't see the monster till four. You said. Um, I think it's. I think it's four. So you let's don't say. See the let's full... say it's. It's. It's in there. It's deeper in there. You don't see it in in yeah. there. Um, how how are they keeping us on here? What what are some of the things um, that um, uh, uh, Aldridge is doing to keep us in this story? To get to the monster. Well, I think it it just varies from the characters. You know, um, we're really drawn to Iris and what's going on with him and his family. Um, I I was, well, yeah, I I was going to say I wasn't a fan of the flashbacks. I understand why they're there. Mm -hmm. But for me, I'm not a big fan of flashbacks as it is. But just um, just the tension of... Oh man, I read it digitally too. I wish I could have read it down. The feathers that appear throughout and you're like, where are these things going? Yeah, yeah. Is this guys? Is this a story? I'm gonna I'm gonna switch. Go ahead, Josh. No, go ahead. I, uh, I, I was gonna say, I... <laughs> dang delay. I was gonna say, I think the way he does it, the way he's able to kind of drag you along, is that you get glimpses and pieces of it, right? So they really do read like a six, maybe six episodes of a TV show. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you don't want to show the monster right away. And so you, you know, in the first issue, the first issue you get like just the talons grabbing the dudes out of the car. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's something bird like, uh, you know, you see the crow feathers, you see all this stuff, you see the, you know, the, the little girl is something that builds tension, right? Like who is this young girl that, that, you know, Iris's son is hanging out with, you know, wh- you know that she's not okay, right? You know that she has something to do with the monster, but you're not – you don't know – I like, I didn't know it was her until it's her. You know what I mean? And, like, I mean, I knew that she was – but I didn't know that she was literally the monster. going to – the Possibly, monster yeah yeah, yeah. spoiler you know what i mean like I, I i thought that you know she was she was you know probably had something to do with it you mm-hmm. know but the like 
Scotty does Scott does not disappoint with the monster design in this bad boy. He oh, does no. not. Yeah, yeah. He does not disappoint. Uh, when I when I finally read it, because I'm reading it month to month, and when you finally see it, the after four in the fourth month of reading this book, I was like, "Yep, good, good job." Yes, you know what I mean. Like it was a great reveal to see it. It took me four months of this story to finally see the full effect of the monster. And it was great. It was a really rad design for it. And so the pay I think that's the other thing is the payoff was good. If the if the if the tension that he's building and the payoff is never good, then you're kinda like, eh. You know, there, then, there is that scene when when you find out the girl is like the when they finally reveal like, yeah, this, yeah. if you were suspecting this, this is the case, uh, where the boy tells her da- his dad where she's from, and then yeah. he's like, go in the house, and you turn around, and you see the girl, and like in the, in the background, yeah. and he's looking yeah. at the, and you're like, oh shit, it's on. <laughs> yeah, those are, those are the good tension scenes, and then that just doesn't leave you there. It builds up to like her with his wife, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like coming mm-hmm. in the house, and that's super creepy, and then the last, the last scene plays just like a horror movie yeah. doesn't it Freddy? Yeah. it is yeah. clearly like your th- it is showdown. a showdown it's a wonderful third act of a horror film yeah. could it, i ask you guys a question yeah i got the rules before i guess okay go ahead go ahead do you think the payoff wouldn't be as good if the creature wasn't cool looking i think that that's a big part of it i think the creature either has to be cool looking or the stakes have to be higher. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I, I think it's okay if the if the monster is not as... I think the little girl, if she were just able to command something, and you don't, you're yeah. not really sure what it is, I think that would be equally as good as long as it the stakes felt high enough. I'm know? trying to think of an instance where, even watching horror, where I've liked a movie, the monster gets revealed and I feel let down. I'm thinking, like, it's not really a horror Cloverfield? film, but Cloverfield, yep, legend. Yeah. Uh, uh, those things, and it does. It does affect if 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 you can't if you're gonna build up all that tension, and then if I'm like, oh boy, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. I'm like, huh? What? Right. Then no, yeah. I I don't. It's not gonna work for me. So that is a huge part of it. My question to you guys, and I don't know if this makes sense, or maybe you can run with it, is the idea, is this a, uh, a story about PTSD that happens to have monsters, or is this a monster story that's about uh, that happens to have PTSD? That's the question that they ask in Baba Duke. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's a monster story that happens to have ptsd in it because mm-hmm. i don't think it focuses enough on his struggles come you can see his issues with it and you can see he's dealing with it but or maybe this is just maybe it almost feels like this is a manifestation of it could it reads like that but you know when i talk to sean about it sean doesn't have that sort of I mean, it's not like sean is writing this you know, that background this isn't his way of like this isn't catharsis for him mm-hmm. dealing with having gone there so I really think that it just it lends to where does this monster come from? Like yep. we create our own monsters. Maybe that's more of the take on it that we create our own demons. Mm-hmm. You know, by like what we do, yeah. uh, and we have to face them. And this and that's just that was just his way, I, and it's topical. You know what I mean? Like you can't. I guess he said originally he thought about writing it as um, might have been Vietnam. Like he talked about doing it as a. A Vietnam story, um, but 
instead it went uh or maybe it wasn't vietnam but it was an earlier war but instead he decided to go with a more modern story mm-hmm. you know um and so but I, I i feel like it says a lot about um I, I, that we create our own monsters you know what i mean like we're we're responsible for the the baggage or whatever that we bring with us that that, that constantly comes back up the idea of of your of you you having to come to terms with your past or what your wrongs in the past can come, can catch up with you and at some point you have to account for those sins whatever they yeah. may be yeah um so let's talk let's let's talk uh i th- i think as i as i read it parts of it felt a little x-files to me did it feel that way to anybody else for any you're an x-files guy not not the like having to it seems like at some point Mulder and scully would have shown up in this mm-hmm. in this world yeah. you know what i mean but it felt because it maybe that's because of the small scope of it because those some of those uh early x-files episodes are yeah. really like it happens in a small town, right? It's just yeah, like mm-hmm, six mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Uh, but it really—that—that's how I felt when I read it. It felt really like you know you said a, uh, it tales from the crypt. But for me, it almost seemed like a, a an X Files, an X Files episode. Mm-hmm. You know. Travis, did you ever watch X Files? Uh, I, I watched. Uh, uh, I, I wasn't a big X Files guy. Okay. I think I watched the first two seasons, and then I, God, I don't want. Why would you make me say that on a conflict podcast? <laughs> wow. okay. Yeah, yeah, I watched. It. I loved it, man. Like I got a Mulder, <laughs> Mulder, Mulder, Moldier poster above Moldier. my bed. I kiss every night before I go to sleep. Maybe you're right. One of the things that was that they didn't do in this, they didn't bring the FBI or CIA agents in. You know, like this that those were characters in a trope. Uh, you know, kind of horror film. Like they would come in and be like, "We've been tracking this monster for the last uh, ten years." You know, like you're not the first vet to, you know, whatever it is, or you know, there yeah. is because it is. I, I get the sense that it is uh, X Files in that way. Like you're waiting for like the bigger the the bigger world stakes to be brought into this but because he creates the his actions create the monster it makes it such a personal story that yeah. i think that that keeps it from tipping over into the x the two x files e side freddie what's your take i i didn't feel that at all <laughs> I, I, and that's perfectly cool <laughs> i not only tells from the crypt but like like stephen king um, like a Stephen King novel because it's very personal and and mo- the Stephen King books that I've read it's like inner demons that manifest kind of mm. you do it yourself mm-hmm. you know so I got that vibe from it yeah and that's one of the things that I really liked about this it wasn't the the antagonist in this it isn't something that well I mean I guess I do get the sense that this this demon for lack of a better word has been around I mean it was obviously like it's was summoned by this woman in Iraq or whatever yeah. it is. It had existed up to this point, uh, but I guess I get the idea that um, in in some in some stories the monster it, it, this is just the new chapter in the monster's terror. And even yeah. though the monster in this does have history to it, I felt like this was it. It wasn't like we're that it'd be easy to go and do a prequel to it or, or something like that you could but it just does that make sense the idea that this monster it, it wasn't like a brand of a monster it was that personal story that stephen king type of terror where it really does come from the uh protagonist 
right? And I, I really like that. I think that I think that is one of the things the story leans heavily on and relies on. And if you don't like those type of stories, um, and you just want the monster of the week, um, you're gonna get to something kill a little, bunch of stuff, yeah, you know, a little, I mean? like, little different, a little different here. Yeah, I think you know, I think you're, I think you're right. It really is this sort of like personal story. And I think for me, what I, I like the X Files, my X Files comment is it. The X Files, every X Files episode always feels very like that you're in one box and nothing really happens outside of that box, mm-hmm. and and that's just that was just uh, like an issue of the X Files being the budget that that series had, and that's why everything was always dark, and that's why they every episode happens in the Northeast is because they shot it in Canada for cheap, and so yeah. like it felt like a real sort of like a real small sandbox of a story but i really appreciated that it didn't that it wasn't huge that Mm -hmm. we didn't have to learn about every character who lived in town you know what i mean like but that town also felt like a character yeah you know yeah like but the the, you know like kentucky itself felt like a character we talked about the same thing remember when we read witches and like the setting the setting felt like a character and so, like, I've never, I think I've driven through Kentucky, but I've never, like, been to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. But this kind of, like, gave me that, like, oh, you know, like, like that little, it, it tasted a little syrupy, mm-hmm. a little, a little, a little sweet. Like, a little like sweet, what we like say about, about uh, Southern Bastards, that kind yeah. of, that barbecue-esque cue yeah. to everything. Yeah, yeah. But, but where Southern Bastards in this differ, not just because one's horror and one's not, is Southern Bastards is really about this tapestry of characters in the town. It is the Twin Peaks. Yeah, but this is not. This is about, like, one man and his family, and, like, he did something, and now he has to protect his family from the crap he did. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, that's kind of, that's why it's such a personal little story for Iris and that's why you don't need to bring anybody else into it because it's about a dude facing his own demons to protect his family from from like the man he was in Iraq. Yeah. You know, Freddie, you haven't shown your cards quite yet. Um, as far as where does this fall in your personal taste for horror? Is this is this something when you read this you're like, oh, yeah, this is this is up my this is up my 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 taste this is this is like the type of story that i like to read or how does or where does this sit in relation to what you like to consume in a horror story no i i i was jealous that i, I didn't come up with this mm. <laughs> I, I think that's the best when you're when like you know freddie is like a he's working on like a, a web series right now it's got a little bit of creep factor yeah. to it uh, you have like a, a zombie uh, in the in the back burner, some zombie stuff you want to work on. So like that's always I always think that'd be a good compliment, right? Like yeah. like you wish you could have thought of it. Yeah, it's, it's because like it was so like I'm like I've never seen anything. I watch a lot of movies, and I was like I haven't seen anything like this. It reminds me of like Jaws because you don't see the monster, but it's not like Jaws, you know. Sure, it reminds me of a Stephen King book, but it's not a Stephen King book. So it reminds me of all these things, but it's 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 its own thing, and I love that about it, you know. I wanted I want to read more. Yeah, and, and it is. Yeah. It's really it's really kind of like it's a fun story. I really dug it, and it was one that I picked up. I mean, I picked it up because uh, Vertigo decided like announced all these new books they were going to do like the return of vertigo and when i found out you know scott he's my neighbor uh like uh he's been on the show i'm like oh he's got a new book awesome i'm totally gonna check it out and that first issue i'm like 
I'm glad I, you know, like, I don't know that I would have picked it up without, you know, having known Scott. And I'm glad that, that I did. I'm glad I grabbed it. It's like, a, it's a good, like, six issue nugget of a story that, that makes you go, like, you want more, but I'm totally satisfied by this, like, like, whopper of a of a story you know what i mean like like this big mac everything you need is in there it's got the lettuce the pickles the cheese the the special sauce you know what i mean it's like it's all there um in just six issues and that's a rare and thing also to get. it's scary it's just like a big mac it makes you shit yourself <laughs> exactly but so so travis what does this you're not a horror guy you i mean i haven't watched a lot of horror movies since i got married because gabby mm. doesn't like movies like that so mm. i don't seek them out but i always kind of i like a little i'm more of a like uh i'm a monster guy because mm. i just I, that's that's the stuff i like um what did you think of it as someone well, who doesn't i i do like i do like horror in print i like i like horror in print okay. a lot i love the stephen king books uh uh and i love i love sitting in bed at night reading and then being like i gotta put it down but I also I think because I one of the things is when I watch scary movies uh, and the visuals and everything like that and consuming like that it becomes too visceral for me and it, mm-hmm. and I, I I because my imagination runs wild I have to like take breaks you know like I have to take it takes me longer to get through horror stuff than anything else because I almost have to take breaks uh, plus you know that you're gonna hit a horror beat. And then it's going to cool down. Then you're going to hit another horror beat. And so it's always – when you read a horror uh, uh, genre, anything in the horror genre, you know like I got to this beat. Okay, let's put it away for the night. Let's wait for the next one. When you consume a horror movie, it's just at you for two hours. And then you're just – at the end, you have to deal with the aftermath. And I got to go home by myself <laughs> and live in a house in like Japan where I'm like, I don't know. There's definitely some ghosts around here. I'm like an hour outside Hiroshima. There's some, there's, there's some spirits haunting this place. And guess what? I don't think they're big fans of Americans, these ghosts. You know what you get to do? There's, dude, you've already written. Yeah. You've already written your your little <laughs> short story, buddy. <laughs> but you know, uh, uh, Freddie was saying something interesting about, um, uh, you know, how it it was new and he hadn't seen anything like this before. And I think with horror, what I've read is the horror I don't like uh, relies too much on tropes. Um, and uh, Aldridge is definitely picking from things that we've seen before, but he never. He never overindulges in what he uh, references or 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 picks from, so that way nothing nothing the story doesn't feel like it's too much of another thing. It, you, we mentioned Jaws and Tales from the Crypts and the X Files, but even if we're trying to make those comparisons, there's no direct. It's I can't think of anything that I could directly say. Oh, you know what this is? This is just like that, or this reminds me of just like this, but a a, a better version or whatever it is. It just he just samples enough from enough things that it becomes this own nice little horror strew that that's original and you're like oh I haven't tasted this before it's good <laughs> that's my stew analogy has anyone ever made a stew I, I, I analogy it before does it... I don't think on the sh- I don't think on the show no stew analogy on the show I think we're good so let let's get back to the monster I, we had all kind of mentioned like a story like this is something we haven't seen before but I have literally. And I mean, I don't consume as much horror as maybe as Freddy does, but I have not seen a monster like this before. It is not something I've seen. Uh, Freddy, as as our horror guest, <laughs> as our resident horror guru, 
Have you seen a monster like this before in a story or in a movie or anything like that? No, and that's why it really creeped me out. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was kind of like I, you're right. I I I'd never seen it before. Travis, you ever seen something like this before? Nope. I don't no. want to see it again either. I don't want to see it again. <laughs> this is not going to be a reread for me. I'm good. I'm going to be haunted by that that monster for uh, a good five years. And I think I think Travis, you talked earlier about like creepy kids. And, like, creepy kids are creepy enough on their own, right? Like, she's a little creepy because, you know, she's got these bird feathers and her eyes are black at times. And you kind of see, like, one finger turn into a talon. But when you get the full reveal of this monster in issue four, it is disgusting, right? Like, it is gross that this little girl, her face peels back and out of her mouth comes the beak and her arms are big things, and the bottom half of her body goes away, man. And she's just intestines hanging out. It's yeah, crazy. It's, it's like the ghost from. Um, uh, um, we did Saga? it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it is just. It is horrific looking. It's just majorly creepy. Well, and I. You don't see very many, like, um, like bird monsters i mean you see a lot of like wolf or things that are inherently scary or beastly on their own and then we just uh you know exaggerate those scary features fangs or long ears or snouts um but i haven't really come across that that use of the bird and i think if 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 it was given to me to design i would have come up with some lame design like okay it's a bird i would have just made a bird look more scary but the idea of of the bird never really fully coming out. It's like it's like it's wearing this child. It's like wearing a little girl suit. Yeah. That is so damn creepy. Uh and he doesn't he doesn't pull any punches on it. You know what I mean? Like you it's not like like you said, I mean, it's like the harpy almost, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It has that a little bit of that sort of like uh Jason in the, not Jason in the Argonaut. Is it Jason in the Argonauts with the harpies or is it the is it the one with the robot owl? Is it uh a Clash of the Titans. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure which one has that. No one knows. <laughs> so what? Whatever. But it's like that. But it's this disgusting twist where it's not like a lady with bird-like features. It's a girl with a bird coming out of her, and it is just. I gotta give it up for the design of this monster because we, you know we'd mentioned before like would it have been as good without uh, a monster as creepy as this. I think you could have made it as good, but damn, this was good because that is a great monster design. It is fantastic. And I think uh, Sean talked about it in his interview with you. There's these tiny little details. The teeth. I believe he mentioned the teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The teeth of the girl that kind of peel up over the beak. Like, they're just there. These tiny little things, but they just make it so much more grotesque i mean it's the monster's just completely grotesque where you're just like no i mean the fact that iris can even stand to show down with this monster like i think that is this this monster's biggest strength because it's not like a super would you what do you think about the the power of this monster it didn't seem like sometimes you you face down a a monster and it seems almost invincible um, what about the showdown and where this, this monster's power set, for lack of a better word? How do you think that the powers of this monster were, were handled? Freddie? Um, I dug it. It just, it just like, um, I don't know. It's like it, it, it reaches a certain level. You're like, yeah, that's creepy. I've never seen that before. And then now you, what was I going to say? You, 
you give it these powers that it's just like for me I was not expecting that because truthfully birds scare me like <laughs> like um like a bird pooped on me a couple weeks ago and I was really traumatized so birds really creep me out so just seeing this image really uh, messed me up for a little bit so then giving it powers um I don't remember what page it's it was. like like how it can take over yeah. the little boy and, and... I don't like that because I don't like like possession and I don't know I just it's like one step like okay cool now let's do this now like if you're not terrified you're definitely not sleeping tonight yeah and i think i think like it doesn't have any overwhelming powers you know it's not like it's it's indestructible or you know anything like that but the fact that and i think the reason why it works in this story so well is what does iris really care about his family he cares he cares about his family right and so if this monster is not only like it's a manifestation of the stuff that he did but it's literally doing the thing that he doesn't want it to do. It's going to turn his family against him. Just like he never talked about that incident with his wife because he thought it would turn his family against him. It literally did, right? Like yeah. that those actions created this 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 monster or at least brought this monster to him to turn his son against him. Like the absolute thing that he does not want to have happen. Um and it was this sort of like that's what's creepy about it. Not that it's like you can't kill it because he does pretty easily. You know what I mean? Like once he's able to face it, it doesn't take much. Um, ex- you know, there's that weird flashback scene where he has to like kill it yeah. sort of yeah. mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, uh, you know, he's able to shoot it. But I think everything that leads up to that moment is what's creepy and scary about this story like he is willing and it's it's not only like is it does it turn his family against him but what's he willing to do to get this thing to go away right what, what what's he willing to pay um i like the uh well i i agree with that but i also will say a small thing here after the first victims happen they're still yeah. letting the kid go out and play in the woods that's just bad parenting <laughs> that's just that's just bad parenting but they don't know what happened to those two guys yeah, I don't care. If if victims show up and there's blood in my place, my kid's not leaving the house. You don't live in the holler. You don't know what it's like. I should really be a parent, Josh. Do you have any kids? You guys, probably- guys, I need to be a parent, okay? You know what is apparent about this conversation? I need to be a parent. You see what it is there, guys? Uh, so, I did. I saw what you did. It was good. So, um, I think one of the things, like, each of these... Each of these issues, and because I read them issue to issue, uh, both um, Sean and uh, Scott do a really good job of giving you the cliffhanger at the end of every issue, yes. right? And it's it's like um, some of them are scary. I mean, they're always sort of this beat, but there's a couple of them where you're like, geez, you know what I mean? Like, either you're really creeped out or the one, that the second to last issue in issue five when he cuts off that dude's head, right? Like, he's willing to kill this man to save his son. And, like, not just kills him, but chops off his head. And that's how that issue ends, man. It's like, with him holding up this head, and, like, I've got to show my, you know, like, uh, I, like I I want you to know Shiloh as he's talking to his son. This isn't about cruelty. Is he's about to chop off this dude's head? It's about survival. 
And then it's like, give me back my goddamn son. So, like, you could, it is, it's delivered in a way where I feel like I could hear it. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, the dialogue sounds real. Um, and you kind of, like, it, it, that was something I totally did not expect him to do. And it was a great twist in a, in a, in a book that's a horror movie, but it hasn't really been slashery. You know what I mean? Like, it hasn't been, for the, for the name Dark and Bloody, there's some gunshots and stuff at the beginning, but that is literally that scene right there is the one where you're like, "All right, there's there's the blood," you know. It, you're and and you make a good point about the cliffhangers. It makes these six, six issues very easy to read as far as like consuming them. This uh, yeah. there are some trades that we read. Well, this isn't a trade; single issues you can get it in a trade. Um, but there are some that you know you gotta take a break. You're like, okay, it's still good. I still really enjoy enjoying it, but there it needs this. Is quickly consumed, quickly consumed. Um, yeah. And um, can I switch gears for a second before we talk yeah. talk more about the art? And this is yeah. more just like story conversation wise. Do you think that Iris should should he come out the the should? Well, I don't want to spoil it. The result of the story finds Iris in a certain way. Um, should did he earn that? Like, was his sin? great enough like should he, should there have been more consequences or should he be forgiven like because he wasn't the main instigator of that event that started everything yeah uh i don't i th- I think like you get the journey like he he saves his family he tells his wife what's happened he's able to in that sort of and i think because of that sort of inner body experience or whatever where he gets to talk to that girl that right there i think absolves him Without that, I think you're right. It seems a little unearned. But because Sean has created that that scenario for him to be able to like share that, it, I think it works out. And I'm, you know? I, I, I don't think the, the writing, whether it's earned or uh, unearned, I just think about. I was thinking to myself, I'm I would, I, with what we know that he did. I would I would be like, well. There were different pressures, and it was under extreme circumstance. But then you see what's done really well is the girls' side of things, and you're like, I don't know. Maybe maybe you do deserve all this that's happening to you. <laughs> like, part of you is like, well, it wasn't it wasn't really the guy. This is Dick over here that did it. And then part of me is like, well, you know, the girl does have a point. You did let her die. Yeah. Well, I think the – but you got to think, now he's got to walk around with, like, a, a cross uh, scar on his forehead – a little, uh, you know, Manson looking, and, and his jerk off hands gone. <laughs> yeah, I, okay. So this is my this is my only this is my only critic. This is really the only thing that I have a real criticism about. Let him have it, Josh. He doesn't really. When does he? His hand doesn't get chopped off. So how does he lose his hand? It gets bit. You could see it get bit by the bird, I believe. And yeah, I, but I had to flip like, back, and like there was like a big gash in it. But it, I I didn't know if there's like poison filled or can't just bandage that up that was my that was my thing is like i just i didn't see it it didn't get removed in that scene like you didn't see it get bit off because afterwards when he shoots the girl he's got both arms around her and then he digs a a grave and then he (laughs) digs a grave and so i was like when did his hand get bit off and maybe maybe you're right travis that that's the only thing where i felt there was a that was a little continuity thing in there that i was like well when did that really happen uh but that's my only. That's really my only. Beef. Maybe he didn't lose in the fight. Maybe he lost in the moonshine. Still, 
<laughs> and we just like it's a year later. Anything could have happened. Yeah, you know, or it's like a year or so. <laughs> it gives you yeah, this. Maybe thing. that maybe that uh, crazy fucking possum bit it off. <laughs> that, that was another thing was... too. That that little, that little creepy backwoods dude was creepy. <laughs> you gotta have him in in the holler. Every holler you got, has a like, creepy and... back backwoods dude. And he works as your info dump, right? Like, there's all these little bits and things that are very sort of, like, tropey, but in a fun, like, in a good way. You know what I mean? Like, you need someone to tell you where this comes from. And so, of course, you need, like, your backwoods, like, like spirit dude. <laughs> it reminded me of if the Coens and Tarantino collaborated. You know, like, the violence, yes. the, the quirkiness of the, of the town... Um, like, like you have to have that one character, and I feel like Tarantino would tell the cones, like, we need this guy. You know? <laughs> um, I don't know. It just reminded me of that. The the, the dialogue is very Cohen esque. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Of No Country Old Men. So. So art, Travis, art, 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 art. Uh, I really dug it. I, I you, there's um, <clears throat> you can see uh, having read Copperhead, having you know done that for the show. Uh, you can see some some good character work from, from Scott in here, you know, having red copperhead, there's a lot of alien in that, you know? And so it was cool to see him do a little more character work and really be able to kind of show emotion on faces. And he does a really good job with that when, when, especially in some of those flashback scenes, when you see the, you know, the, the, the people who are, you know, the, when, when you've got the mom and the daughter, he's able to convey some real stuff in those faces. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, you were right, Travis. I think the, the colors are really great because it's always like near sunset or, you know what I mean? Like it's always either dark or near sunset when, when they're back in, uh, in, in Kentucky. And I think that's the colors are really great on it. Um, and that damn monster, man, it looks great. That's like that, that, that right there, that alone makes me go, yep, the art's wonderful because that monster really was really sold really well. I think I like, my, yeah, I like, I think I like, oh, go ahead, Freddie. No, um, I, I, I like the, for me, I'm, my favorite color is red. So if you can make reds pop at any time, um, is a huge plus. And especially like when the blood is everywhere, man, it is everywhere, everywhere. And I feel like, he picks certain colors to really like either tone down or really make it vibrant. You know, um, I'm looking. Of course, I'm looking at when you see the monster, um, like because he's using yellows and blacks. You know, and just the red is like everywhere. I don't know. And, and it should, you know, the colorist did a really good job taking uh, and running with the art from from Godleski on this and, and doing a really good job with it. Uh, I think Scotty went digital when he did this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can you can having looked at his other art, you can see, but I, I but I feel like it it really has helped. I think it really helped his his work. I, I think, I think this moving is, I, this is the best that I've that I've seen him at. I, I liked I liked the creativity he got with the aliens uh, on Copperhead, but I I liked just the the the, the humans in this man. Like it, it's just like the, I don't know if it was just going digital, but it's just I love it. Yeah, I think I think it was really kind of good to see. Like, I think it was a it's a good it's good work for him to show you know what he's capable of. And right now he's you know he moved to do uh, he's doing the Lost Boys, so yeah. he, he's drawing the Lost Boys right now for, for Vertigo. So like another book where he gets to draw like a, you know people and he gets to kind of you know that blood again. You know what I mean? He's he's going to be able to play with that sort of thing again. And and, and uh, 
I thought I thought he did a really good job on this. There's the there's some interesting layouts in throughout where there's a lot of use of double page, but it's but we still have panels on it. You know what I mean? It, that happens a couple times throughout the issue mm-hmm. where his layout's really cool, where it's I two full pages. Well, yeah. I'm looking back at the issue, and I'm looking at issue four or issue three, and uh, it's when it's the flashback when he's gonna he's gonna shoot he shoots the girl, uh, and <clears throat> you it's another one of those two page spreads where, where he kind of tells the story about the lead up to the shooting, and then a, he's able to use the full two pages to splash the 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 shot. And then it goes back to panels across the bottom half of those two pages. And it's just a really he's he's able to tell this story uh, with some creative panel layouts that that just kind of really enable him to show big scenes and then shuttle around some stuff. And that's always kind of I always enjoy a little little, like that sort of creativity in, in, in the way the art's done. Favorite panels. Freddie, as the guest, you get to go favorite panels first. All right, it's obvious, but um, the reveal of the monster uh, when you—it's f- on uh, issue four, and man, it's just so cool. And the way it's choking her and with her- its entrails, <laughs> and the beaks coming out of her mouth. Her eyes are dark. Those little teeth—that's like biting on the beak, the guts. It's freaking cool. What more can you ask for a horror fan? And she's saying vengeance. <laughs> really? Vengeance! Uh, Travis, what's your favorite panel? I'm trying to remember what book it's in here. I'm, I'm looking at digital. I believe it's book number five. Uh, my favorite panel is the beginning okay. of book five where uh, the crows are attacking him. And he reaches in. He goes underneath his uh, um, truck. Or and gets the moonshine, and then my favorite panel is yeah. when he's fireballing that up into the sky, using that as a weapon. Again, the colors in that are great. Uh, it's a it's a just a, a cool action uh, to perform, and then also it has my favorite lines in the the book. He's talking about how his dad died in the coal mine, and he says he yeah. always talk about how he had uh, he was working to get out of the hole. Only later did he realize he'd been digging it deeper. Too deep to get out. It took death knocking uh, on the door for him to see that. He told me sometimes a porch light calling you home isn't is just a fire burning it all down. Well, I butchered that in the reading, but um, I love the I love that that line. Uh, I love um, that whole taking that Zippo and just phew, torching those crows. My favorite, the same issue I just talked about uh, that issue three, and and when I was flipping through it, Freddie had pointed. Oh god, that's terrible! And it is—it's my panel is where the bird jumps into her mouth, like her mom. Nope. Her mom spits it out, <laughs> and then it jumps, like it walks over to her. And there's one panel where it's just its head is in, and that's that's creepy. But the panel below it, it is like it's just feet and butt of the bird sticking out of her mouth, and you can see she's choking. Uh, that is that that sequence is like that in and of itself is great horror because it is something that's disturbing. That I would never imagine, like, like I can't see that happening and going. I don't know. I don't know how you write that. I, like my brain doesn't work that way. But that is super creepy, and it is also a real cool way to pass this sort of like monster along. To call it is the mom like chucking it, and then it taking over the girl is the bird like getting in her mouth, and it is, it's gross. 
it's that's gross a, and it is great. That's a good pick. That was going to be mine too. That was it was a toss up. So I'm glad we all got a different panel there, and we all agree that that one is badass. That bird thing, it's just so disturbing. Oh yeah, it's so gross. Uh, so this is our take on the book. So let's ask really quick, uh, Travis, would you recommend? Yep, it's an easy book to recommend because it's six issues. Uh, it, it, it draws you in with the genre itself, and it gives people, whether they're horror fans uh, or just um, fans of like a, a short story genre, uh, a really good entry point to get into comics. All right, Freddie, would you recommend? No way. Why would you wish that on your enemy? No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, heck yeah, man. I mean, I, would, I want my girlfriend to read this. <laughs> I want her to get creeped out. It's just fun, you know, I mean... I think everybody deserves a good scare every now and then, and this really was going to really creep people out. Uh, I, too, would recommend it, and here's here's one of the reasons I recommend it. We read so many, like, volume one trades in here, right, Travis? Right. And we end up going, like, oh, volume one was really good, but you can't, like, it's always hard to give that to someone, because then you've got to go, like, okay, well, we're on volume six right now, so once you read this, you got to read a couple more to get all the story. Like, I feel like I love Saga, but if I give Saga I get to someone, I'm like committing them to reading way too many books yeah. as like it's someone who doesn't necessarily read a lot of comic books. But this also fits into that category. We read Witches and Witches is a wonderful six issue like or four issue. I don't It's short. Like here it is. Beginning, middle, end. Fantastic. Read it. This does the same thing. I love that it's it's concise. It's six issues. It tells a, a like a, a good scary story. The monster's great. Uh, and it's it's good, and so I definitely would hand this off to someone. Excellent. Well, so we know what Christmas is around the corner, y'all. So yeah, if if you haven't picked this up, I really highly recommend that you go find it. If you listen to us talk about it this long, uh, and you're like, "What does this freaking monster look like?" Go spend the money, pick it up. You can get it digitally, or you can get it uh, in print uh, and enjoy it. If you get it in print, get it and then hand it off to someone. Let them read it too. Let them enjoy it as sort of like this wonderful little six issue nugget of a story uh so ladies and gentlemen i want to say thanks to freddy for coming on freddy thanks for coming on thanks for having me guys uh freddy is the first official three-peat uh, guest aside from my wife my wife is a three-peat <laughs> but she doesn't count because we force her to be on some of those episodes <gasps> when someone cancels <laughs> so don't tell her i said she doesn't count uh and then uh ladies and gentlemen you can go and you can check out all of our old episodes you can look them up on whatever podcast app you use just search for comic exposure uh we're on itunes uh, if you can't find them that way, you can go to the website, www.comicexposure.com. All of our episodes are on there. You can go back and listen to our interview with uh, Sean Aldridge. You can go back and listen to our episode where we had Scott on to talk about uh, Copperhead and his work on that. Uh, you can uh, check out when we talked about Witches or any other horror book we talked about. Uh that's where you're going to find it all is over on the website. We're also on Twitter, so you can follow us at Comic Exposure. I'm, I'm running them tweets. Uh, we're on the Instagram, same thing, Comic Exposure on Instagram. Follow us there. Uh, and then you know what? I want to say, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the next book you want to pick up is going to be uh, – we're reading Huck. We're reading Sheriff of Babylon, and we're reading Prez. I think the next one is – which one, Travis? What are we doing next? Sheriff? Um, we could do Sheriff next, yeah. We'll put it up on Twitter. All right. All right, uh, we'll put up in the next book we're going to do. It's uh, the next three that are coming up are Sheriff of Babylon, uh, Prez, and Huck. In whatever order we're doing those in, keep your eye on the on the tweets to find out. Uh, or the next variant episode, we'll definitely t- 
tell you what's coming up next there. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next trade. 